Welcome back, new you maniacs, to the Spinner Rack here at Season 4 of the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast, the voice of the new, new universe. We're your hosts, Andy with Justice Number 20, and Stephen with Frequent Coughing Fits. <laughs> I've got <clears throat> I'm all right, pneumonia. I'm fine. <laughs> new new pneumonia? <laughs> new pneumonia, that's what I said. In 1986, the new universe was launched as an imprint from Marvel Comics, dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastic approach to comics and world building. The original idea was the world outside your window, with real-time progress and greater realism. After the first year, some books were cancelled, although we were seeing their characters in other places, and the remaining books have gotten consistent creative teams their origins were streamlined, and they are becoming more action-oriented in the wake of the world-shaking disaster, The Pit, uh, or The Black Event, depending on what I call it. I like The Pit. It's, it's more direct. Okay. With our podcast, you can follow along with us each week as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack uh, at your local comics-only retailer. Or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite. My we personal have... favorite is the Stinky Comics Basement that I get to find New Universe books in. <laughs> I was digging through the dollar bin at the store. I, I can't believe like every rack will have a New Universe book in it. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the like uh, alphabet you know, supposedly it's covering. doesn't matter. All the other books are... You know, within the last 10 years, there'll be, always be a new universe book in there somewhere. I may or may not have pulled all of the ones out of the antique store that I shop at and sorted them myself into their own new universe section. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I neither confirm nor deny doing this. Come on, folks. I'll make it easy on you. Pick up some new you. Come on. So, we do have a Season 4 Trivia Challenge, which is probably now available on our website. What's that website? www.kickersinc.com We can also be found over at at, uh, Kickers Inc. over on Twitter. We'll keep calling it Twitter. I think last time we called it X. I'll call it X, you call it Twitter, we get our bases covered. (laughs) There we go. Oh, and this week, we'll check in on Mystery Man Justice. John Tenzin is a paranormal who wields the sword and shield of justice. He brings his black and white fight against evil to paranormals who misuse their powers. Or does he? Hmm. It does feel like it's been a little while since he's vaporized somebody. Usually, it used to happen multiple times an issue. Uh, but yeah, so we'll see what happens this week. Uh, Justice number 20. In the wake of destruction comes a massive relief effort. Pit aid. Uh, it's also <laughs> the name of a successful deodorant. Uh, and when Justice goes to the concert, he finds himself being stalked by the protector of all paranormals. Ooh. Written by Peter David and drawn by Lee Weeks. 32 pages, $1.25. It is. It is indeed. Except for $1.75 for those Canadian suckers. The loony in three quarters. <laughs> None of that Canadian speak here, please. <laughs> eh. 
we will also be discussing universe news and some interesting um, sales figures we've uh, found online. Uh, we'll take a look at uh, what how these books were actually selling. We think right. um, at the at this month back in nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, place your bets now as to which of the new universe titles was the top seller. Are you asking? No, uh, I'm just. Uh, I've seen our, our listeners can imagine to themselves like all right which <laughs> one do you think it is and then they'll get the surprise reveal in the end right there you go okay Something yeah. Like that. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I, I got another fun contest idea uh that's in the end of the issue but we'll we'll get to that um we should talk about what actually happens in the story uh justice issue 20 uh title seraph stalks or at least that's the title on the cover uh and so it's a black background justice in his purple justice trench coat kind of in a crowd of pit aid watchers listeners i don't know just a crowd of people uh attending the concert with a bunch of pit aid shirts uh notably uh some woman with a turtleneck like half top (laughs) crop top (laughs) with a mushroom cloud on it like it's like hmm it's quite, quite the style choice. Pink turtleneck crop top with mushroom cloud. Let's see if that makes a re- resurgence. Um, and then like kind of stalking behind Justice, uh, a crazy looking guy with a red cape and a scythe and some tight pants and just a real interesting kind of Dracula looking guy. So, Are there vampires in we, the new universe? Yeah. Remember when we rebooted justice because the idea of having like wizards in <laughs> other dimensions was too unrealistic now he's a vampire slaying uh daywalker or something like that yeah oh. so, so this guy's pretty interesting looking but you know maybe he just hit the goodwill real really hard and just you know whatever he came up with he's wearing that day <laughs> it's uh you know the the modern idea of cosplay well before it's time yeah <laughs> all right uh so we open the page we got peter david writer lee weeks pencil penciler uh mike gustovich as inker i forgot to check if we had seen him before as inker or if he's another new one um but um yeah so you know there's a re- a generalized recap but ultimately what's been going on is uh justice kind of just headed east and you know he actually was directly on the edge of the pit and almost kind of got swept up in it um decided to kind of make it his you know additional mission besides just uh killing paranormals who abuse their powers and bringing them to justice now he's also kind of looking out for who caused the pit disaster because nobody really knows at this point in the story um so he's been kind of wandering and running into evil paranormals and his daughter, uh, though they have never really u- reunited, they're always kind of in the in the at the cusp of meeting each other, uh, and that sort of continues on from where we are today. Um, so yeah, the the book opens with um, some some close in shots of somebody dressed kind of cool. So he's got like Converse sneakers, jeans, the Grateful Dead jean jacket, uh, but the the words coming are just somebody harassing him basically it's like here comes my main man dumbo <laughs> uh how are they hanging today dumbo uh 
you know, they got a special down at the drugstore, jumbo sized Q-tips, buck a box. Uh, <laughs> and then we finally get the, the full on shot of Dumbo, uh, whose real name is James, we find out later. But uh, yeah, it's pretty much like a normal looking guy. Kind of hard to tell if he's like an older teenager. That was kind of the impression I get. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's got the the cool jean jacket, all these band buttons and stuff like that. <laughs> kind of collar popped, but he's got giant funky ears. So it's like Ferengi, <laughs> Star Trek Deep Space Nine kind of super ears. If you, if you get that That's reference. Good. Yeah, Ferengi is a good one for it. <laughs> I was thinking of, uh, there's like a Crystal Method like music video for, I think it's Name of the Game, where it's like, a guy named nosy and his whole head is like a nose and he's but he's like the coolest kid in school right um yeah i I don't know that was just the first thing that came to my mind but dumbo is kind of funny um that you say he's is like dressed cool i think of him as sort of dressed poor so Mm, like uh, yeah he's like he's like feels like a poor kid in a poor neighborhood you know and he's maybe used to getting picked on but i don't know yeah, so that, that does kind of ring true. Because um, basically he's walking down the sidewalk and there's a bunch of kids on a stoop out front uh, just you know, giving him the business. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Mad elephant, run away, whatever. And so Dumbo kind of confronts them. He's like, for two months, you guys have made my life miserable. I didn't ask for this, but you don't care, do you? Well, it doesn't matter. It stops today. <laughs> uh, he says, I hear doom coming up behind you. Shame you can't. And so, like, they're all kind of facing off against him. He's like, You know, if you're just having fun with you, same as you would if you saw a guy who looked like you, you know what your problem is? Uh, and you can actually see kind of like a shadow of a figure behind these guys. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a, a mixed group of street toughs, you know, not surprisingly quite members. Uh, multicultural and, yeah. uh, Dippers, they're they're all about forties. It's like a yeah, <laughs> bandana mohawk guy, um, guy who looks like Joe Pesci from Home Alone with the cap, I'm like the robber generic dude. This kind of like scruffy red haired dude, and um, you know, a black guy is just kind of standing there looking confused most of the time. I guess <laughs> you covered the pink mohawk, right? Okay, yeah, that's. I mean. In in the new universe, there's always a, a classic punk somewhere on tap when you need a crowd of baddies. There always is, and really in all '80s pop culture, there's always this, like a one of these guys when you need them. Um, well, Justice probably would have vaporized them. We'll, we'll, let's see what happens here. Uh, but yeah, our, our guy from the cover, presumably Seraph, um, is just all cape really at this point like you can't really see his body it's just a big cape with a big white collar uh, really kind of strange to be walking around <laughs> looking like that and he says he has no problem however you do uh, so we do get one punk's name is luther uh he says i don't know who that idiot is but cut him will you <laughs> so the, the scruffy red-haired guy pulls out like a little knife uh honestly it just looks like a kitchen knife maybe it's supposed to be a switchblade um, but from his cloak, Seraph has a scythe and the head of it, like the blade is like glowing as if it has some kind of power. And it's a little unclear if he slices the guy's hand off or not, but he definitely disarms him, <laughs> but not literally disarms him. 
uh, so swipe or with a schlicht it's my hand and they all kind of go you know this is escalated they all kind of can uh comfort poor luther and uh seraph's just next and just takes it to all the guys you know hits one in the stomach hits punches the other guy in the face you know if he's just doing what needs to be done, I take no pleasure in another's pain. I leave him alone, or next time I'll be hard on you. So he basically just beats them all up and sends them packing. Uh, they go running down the sidewalk, um, possibly missing a hand. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's the kind of the yeah. I assume they cut he cut his hand off, but then it doesn't feel like a thing situation where he needed to literally maim someone. Right. Of course, the other guy did say, like, you know, cut him, like, take your knife and, like, attack him with a knife, which is kind of, also kind of escalating things. So, uh, okay, well, yeah. I don't want to do, like, a big moral judgment. I can't read auras here. I'm not just. <laughs> I guess. All right. Um, so, yeah, so Dumbo James is like, oh, Seraph, man, that was great. You did everything you promised. Are you going to be staying around for a while? Kind of make sure. He's like, I am the guardian angel of all paranormals, James. I have others to visit. So this guy's acting kind of like a justice kind of weirdo. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's like, at least come to the pit aid concert. <laughs> or at least show me in the Christmas of my future. Come on. Tickets have been sold out for weeks, Dumbo. <laughs> you know this. <laughs> he doesn't say that. And he says he's been a, a scared to go to big events like that because he'd be made fun of because of his giant ears. You know, he says, if you come watch out for me, I'd feel much better. And, you know, we just get a perhaps. <laughs> but I think we all know he's going to go to the Pit Aid concert because the, the whole story is set in the Pit Aid concert. So. Uh, yeah, we turn the page and we kind of get the, the big title page. So it says Justice, uh, Creeping Paranoia is the title there, which I forgot to look up if that meant anything. Uh, uh, not offhand. I like that, like, for the first time in a long time, it has I am Justice in the uh, title. Oh, right, in the title page. font, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it says, okay. for some weeks now, I've sensed a storm gathering. I'm This is Justice narrating. I'm only one bit of debris caught up in the whipping winds that are converging. He's getting very poetic. Uh, like the winds have brought us here to within sight of the obscenity called the pit. Here, here the concert called Pit Aid. All proceeds are to survivors of the miles-wide destruction of Pittsburgh. <laughs> An excellent, laudable idea. So it's kind of like a funny turn on the narration there. Um, but yeah, this is pretty clearly like a playoff of Live Aid, right? So that big, I guess that was, you know, trying to raise money for like a food crisis in Ethiopia. Yeah, I it was looking at, at, at trying to figure out um, sort of what the lead time was on it, because um, there, there, I mean, obviously, a, like a big production like this would take months of work and the, like the very idea of it, you know, to get to people. But um it it's maybe not that long. They the famine was in eighty four, and this is like summer eighty five. Mm. They have this thing in July, and then there's like a follow up uh, farm aid in September eighty five, which was kind of like people literally at Live Aid were like, "Hey, we could help out the family farms in the U.S. and like put a concert together within." 
few months. So maybe it's Army. You know, that one was just a blatant cash grab. It's I mean, you can imagine there was a little more country music in that one. Um yeah. A lot of John Mellencamp, I'm thinking. That's that's <laughs> Yeah, Live Aid was like two shows, like one over in England and one in the United States. Um so yeah, like Yeah, yeah, in Philadelphia. There we go. Okay. Yeah, I remember the London one, but okay. Yeah, that the, the Joan the US Baez, Madonna, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, Keith Richards, Tina Turner. That was the the U.S. one. It was like Queen and such, and you uh, two were in Europe and such. But we'll and we'll then, get our own little pit aid uh, celebrity cameos soon. <laughs> yeah, I think the. Um, I mean, I, I I think last issue he was around Philadelphia, and no. Anyway, he he's been kind of hanging around this area. His daughter goes to school in Philadelphia, and of course, it's still relatively close to the pit, which is they're saying is the reason for this. So, uh, I can imagine this somewhere in the fields between in the middle of Pennsylvania here, I guess, as a location. Yeah, curious. Like now, I'm kind of looking at it. So, so the page is like this huge double page spread. So you see like a crowd, you know, drawn without a lot of detail, and then like a big stage. You know, it's the Goodyear blimp, like a helicopter, uh, a seagull, kind of in the foreground. Um, but there's little. It looks like there might be little tiny details of the crowd that might be kind of interesting, but it's kind of hard to say. If there's anything there. I mean, like bottom I mean, right, there's some characters that kind of look superhero-y kind of thing. Like they snuck in some interesting looking people in there, but nothing obvious. Like there's like Wolverine's not there or like Waldo or something. But yeah, I I mean, like on the the very bottom of the uh, right hand page, you're thinking some of those yeah. people with their backs to us are kind of gussied up. Like uh, yeah, possibly. But anyway, <laughs> nothing jumps out at me. So what does jump out is when you turn the page and like Keith Richards is there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we get this cheesy narration is like, if only we could do it without the musicians. I judge those who mis- misuse their paranormal power often harshly. If I performed a similar service to those who misuse their vocal cords, I'd probably level the music industry. <laughs> it's like, oh. That feels particularly lame and not Tenson like, but how old are you, Tenson? You're like forty. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, some of these bands that are like we'll see them later are not not the cutting edge, believe me. Hmm? Uh yeah, I uh Creeping Paranoia did not come up as a hit on like uh, a music uh quote, so we're at a loss. Sorry. Okay. It, it could just be story related. So it might make a bit of sense. But uh, anyway, so we kind of pan out on Pit Aid and uh, Angela Tenson, Justice's daughter, is there with some of her friends. Um, she spots somebody way in the crowd and says, Daddy, uh, which she's been doing for a while, never exactly actually running into him. Get, getting a little tired of Angela. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but she she kind of runs up and finds it's like someone who's sort of, I guess, looks kind of unusually tall, but it's Seraph, the caped weirdo. Uh, so she kind of runs into him. He kind of looks at her. Is there a problem? Um, and her friend pulls her away. It's like, oh, sorry, I thought you were someone else. 
Um, and of course, Justice is apparently right there witnessing all of this. And like, so how big is this concert? It's like a little small venue. Like, see a hung, I see a young woman hurried, hurriedly pull my daughter away from someone she must have mistaken for me. And I take a close look at the man and I do not like what I see. <laughs> That's when he turns and spots me and it's readily apparent to me that he doesn't like what he sees. So we got like a two panel uh, split of them glaring at each other, which I kind of like. <laughs> I can't believe you wore a cape. Oh, <laughs> who are you talking, Mr. Purple Trench Coat? I don't know what they think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you think security would have let him in with that giant scythe <laughs> I kind of wonder what the deal is with that like it you know he draws it out from under the cloak I don't know if it's uh, it's a sawed off <laughs> <laughs> folded up I don't know uh. so uh, Seraph kind of turns away so they're, they're they're not confronting just yet uh again we get another page turn there are a couple more uh musician celebrity cameos um aretha so, franklin on this one uh i, I, I relied right. heavily on my wife yeah it was I, I that's the what the song is but it didn't it look, really look like, like her, her. Yeah. yeah so uh i don't know if it's someone covering her song but um uh I, yeah so yeah, let's just say Aretha for now. On the Is next Aretha page, there? we get. Uh, it took me a while to figure it out, just because they really don't look right. But you too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is way <laughs> off on the caricature. <laughs> um, sorry, but anyway, <laughs> um, so, so we cut to someone trying to buy something at the the Pit Aid uh, souvenir shop. And she's like, what's the problem, lady? All the money's going to help the pit homeless. Yeah, sure it is, buddy. Uh, it's tax deductible. So buy one anyway. <laughs> uh, and she's saying, are you certain these rocks are from inside the pit? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, blast, I'm not getting anything from them. Um, and so I didn't recognize her at first, but Justice does. Um, again, with the, uh, you know, he's like, he pays for her official rock remnants from the pit says give a lady a rock on me keep the change uh she turns recognizes that it's justice and he says good day miriam or would you prefer playback playback <laughs> uh, i can't so, believe you didn't recognize her just with the skin tone it's like <laughs> it, it's unusual like a, you know that, ashy uh, brown yeah um, but yeah, so like she showed up before and kind of investigating the initial justice killings when he was leaving like heads and hands behind. Uh, she looked back, she can look back into the past and kind of, you know, rewind and playback events like a VCR. So a cool uh, VHS tape themed paranormal ability. Um, yeah, so she's kind of scared. She's like, I'm pleased to have found you. You seem distressed. You don't think I intend ill will towards you? And he says, see, my sh sword is sheathed. And of course, by that, he means his hand is in his pocket, which is, again, kind of cheeseball. <laughs> I'm going to say this in the most tongue twistery way possible. Um, totally don't mean my, you know, male reproductive parts. <laughs> We're in a trench coat. Um, come on, buddy. <laughs> Learned a little something from that guy out in the desert. We're all a little uncomfortable with this uh, <laughs> direction, this new direction Justice is taking. 
Oh my god. So he's like, yeah, he's like, why are you so afraid of me who vaporizes <laughs> paranormals? Uh so you've been using your psychic projection for good. Uh, so he starts to take his hand out of his pocket and she screams, uh, which draws the attention of Seraph. We can get an image of him kind of running towards. Uh, he's like, oh, you're high strung today. He just had a pull. Just, just a silly piece of paper. Like, didn't you just allude to like your sword being sheathed and then you pulled your hand out? And okay. <laughs> yeah, like, dig, ar- dig around with the shield hand there, buddy. Don't uh, freak everyone out. Why does everyone run away from me when I'm just carrying my <laughs> bloody chainsaw around? Uh, it's just, you know. <laughs> what? <laughs> get your attention. Uh, so he hands her a piece of paper. It's like, you know, look at the symbol. Tell if you tell me if it means anything to you. Um, I'm assuming this is the piece of paper they drew the star brand on, though it, it would be nice if they showed us. Very frustratingly yeah. blank. Yeah. yeah. If... Uh... I, I assumed there would be like the, maybe the letterer was supposed to put it in or someone else, you know. I mean, uh, it could be on the other side of a piece of paper, but yeah. It, it, I mean, it doesn't make any sense not to show it to us. So I can only assume it's it's a mistake in right. production somehow. So don't know, but we'll assume it it is the star brand that he was. You could totally rewrite these dialogue boxes to be like, there's nothing on here, you idiot. It's like, he looks mad. He's like, you can't call me that. And she's like, whatever, loser. And then runs. <laughs> so, yeah. So what really happens is like, oh, okay. Now this, this image doesn't mean anything to me. He's like, uh, it meant something to the former population of Pittsburgh. But what? Uh, he says, hold it. We're being watched. And um, He says, odd i don't see anyone and she just bolts like she runs for it um uh, basically just running through the crowd uh and then bumps into She's like four and a half feet tall so she right can... apparently not very not very big um so she bumps into a guy and she's like can i help you with something miss and like everybody is in the same spot here in this concert um it's just oof only if you're a cop he says oh much better than that Terrence Updike, National Security Council. You look like somebody who needs protection, Miss Morse. Uh, Of course, his face looks horrifying, but I think that's just unintentional art gaffes. (laughs) Yeah, you look like somebody who's doing his Alfred E. Newman impression a little too hard, buddy. Um, It is, again, it's, it's, I would call photo roughed from Oliver North. um, Yeah. Contemporary (laughs) maker. We had met him before he had run into uh, Tenson, you know, likely not by accident uh, on the on the on his way to investigate the pit and was kind of like nice guide him and let him through. He's like, all right, you know, do what you got to do. Um, and then we found out later, like he's trying to recruit justice, but kind of carefully from a distance to a degree. Yeah, he's very hands off with justice. He's kind of help, been helpful once or twice, but uh, you know, as all these like spooks we get in the new universe, you gotta gotta keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so like these page turns are always weirding me out. Like turn the page, and it's like, oh, okay, that's Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, Madonna singing. Uh, we cut back to to Angela, Justice's daughter, who's just kind of sitting there, hanging out, uh, listening. And um, uh, good old Dumbo, James. Dumbo, I guess. 
like, not really. I like Dumbo, to be honest. Yeah. It's like it's... his superpower name. I don't know. Well, you're into the point. Uh, he kind of sidles up to her. Uh, he's like, hey, good looking. Know what a guy's ear size is directly proportioned to? And she's like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> Hat size fooled you. And it's like, oh, okay, that's still kind of a creepy line. Um, he's like, so you come here often? Like to the once in a lifetime pit aid concert? Yeah, every week. <laughs> uh, um, and she just kind of brushes him off. She's like, bug off, okay. My father always told me not to talk to strangers. Uh, but one of her friends is like, Nobody looks stranger than this guy, and he's got giant ears. So he's like, I heard that. I was just trying to be friendly, but the heck with you. <laughs> he kind of storms off weepily. Um, I, I, I got to say, her friends were stupid to be like, I will whisper to in front of a guy with giant ears. Surely <laughs> he will not hear everything that goes on around yeah. him. Well, maybe they wanted him to hear. <laughs> he did just sort of show up unannounced. So, no, oh, no. Not not filled with the sympathetic characters here at this point. Um, yeah, so we cut back to playback. Uh, Miriam and uh, Updike from the NSC. And he's like, it's a, and he's giving her his best sell. Uh, it's scary time not to have friends, Miss Morris. But the NSC can be a very powerful friend if you'll let us. And she's, she's smartly, she's like, and if I don't, then what? You'll kidnap me, lock me away until I'm convinced to assist you, like you did with Jenny Swenson. <laughs> it's like no yeah. no no that's the cia right <laughs> he's kind of right on there he's like you've read too many robert ludlum novels novels um that's like the born trilogy guy right which i looked back and that first one came out in 80 and then the second one in 86 apparently so oh, i didn't realize it was so uh up to date on that yeah okay yeah um it's like there's a little something called the constitution maybe you heard about it and then he kind of turns like, however, we do know you're a paranormal. <laughs> and if if we know, so do others. Like the MI? What's MI? I thought it was like MI6, like okay. British. Yeah, MI, FBI, CIA. Don't want to cross the CIA. Jeez. And if one of them gets their hooks into you, believe me, they're everything you've heard about. Spooks, wild dogs, they're loons. The country... This country within the next few months is going to become paranormal happy. And if you don't have an umbrella, you'll get rained on. I don't really get that last line, but he, he's kind of mixing metaphors here. Uh, like, you know, it's going the, the it's the, it's going to be raining paranormals or raining uh, something. And if you don't have an umbrella, you'll get rained on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then he sort of dropped the metaphor in the middle and now you're like, like yeah. I, I, hmm. so he but he he sells it pretty well so he's like how do how do i know you're any better and he says because you can walk away and never hear from us again like no one's tailing you be it back on that in a minute <laughs> it's like you, you'll be on your own it's like i offer you my hand take it or don't but if you don't within 30 days you'll regret it <laughs> Uh, and she does. She's like, excellent. Welcome to the paranoia-free life of the NSC. Um, it was like, you remember when he said, nobody will be tailing you. It's like, all right, call off the tail on Morse. Updike's got her. She's ours now. <laughs> so, okay, maybe they were tailing. <laughs> all right, so another celebrity musician cameo. Did you figure out this one? I struggled with this one. 
Uh, I had to look it up. Uh, Rockwell. There's yeah. a. It really, really doesn't look like Rockwell. <laughs> I. I mean, I didn't even remember the guy's name. I just. I remember there was like somebody's watching you as a lyric. I looked that up. Okay, well, it was. Uh, yeah. Some of the. Uh, this is one of the more frustrating ones because it, it was very much out of my memory. Yeah. Song the the who originally sang the song any of it so yeah. okay anyway so it doesn't really matter uh, we cut back to Angela who uh, is waiting in line at the uh, you know the dreaded Porto San uh, Porto Potty in in line at the concert which is always uh, nightmarish um, when Dembo comes up to her and confronts her again. Um, He's like, now that you ditched your friend, let's ditch this whole gig. And she's like, that's enough. But like, he like pinches her butt or like kind of grabs her. <laughs> it's like, oh, geez. Yes. It's a little unclear, honestly, but definitely touches her inappropriately. <laughs> uh, and she decks him um, and kind of hops into the Porta John. Maybe not the best move there. And he, he's kind of outside, like rattling it like, ah. No, you don't. You know, just slug me and run off. Get out of here this minute. Um, but coming up behind him is Justice. It's like, that's quite enough. He grabs him on the shoulder. Basically, like, throws him over his shoulder like a sack of potatoes. He's like, huh, is it the clever repartee of today's youth? And he throws him on the ground. Uh, we cut to some on-goers and like, hey, someone's getting beat up. Um and maybe the same Mohawk guy from before, or just another Mohawk guy. It's like, there right, can be more than one in the, I guess Pennsylvania. I don't know. I guess <laughs> he doesn't have his gang of goons or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, so we got I am Justice, and you have been misusing your power of paranormal hearing. It's like uh, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like don't lie to me. You've eavesdropped on private conversations, listened to outside girls' locker rooms. <laughs> How did you know? He's like, I didn't <laughs> until just now. I caught you. No, I think he was thinking I didn't in, until just now. Because that one's kind of word bubbled. Uh, it's like, justice is everywhere. I've killed men for lesser offenses. I'm like, I don't think that's true. But I think he's just trying to freak him out. He says, but I'll give you a chance. Keep on the straight and narrow. Or next time you'll be less fortunate. And less alive. Zing. <laughs> and also you'll be walking home. And beyond that, wait, what? <laughs> Never mind. I don't know. Think about your car and forget <laughs> it. Uh, but he gets interrupted by Sarah, our <laughs> cloaked defender of the paranormal. He's like, threats and more threats. You do so excel at them. Uh, I thank like, you. I mean... <laughs> I've been working on my threat skills, you know. <laughs> it just doesn't come naturally. It's just, you need practice. Yeah. But Seraph is like, you know, your behavior, I'm tempted to kill you myself. You know, you're on your own from now. Go home. Uh, so we finally get the square off uh, directly. Seraph in his, you know, buccaneer Dracula outfit and Justice in his purple lightning bolt outfit. Uh, some weirdos at the Pit Aid concert. Um but then um, Peter, Paul, and Mary singing. <laughs> very good, very good. These these are the like the least rock star looking folks. Yeah, twenty five years after they're like hit hit the uh, big time, 
their like middle aged trio of okay, yeah, yeah, they kind of look like a bunch of Marvel editors. Anyway, so Justice and Seraph square off. He's like, who are you? No one of consequence. A humble guardian angel of paranormals. He's like, I would have interceded on your bullying of that poor midget. It's like, you just called her a midget. It's his friend. <laughs> it's like, but you let her go. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, so Justice Reed butts. And he's like, not quite as you portray it, but I find it laudable for one paranormal to be so concerned about others. He's like, does that mean I've passed your judgment, Justice? He's like, you've heard of me. It's like word is spreading throughout the underground. Um, and it's like, it looks like Justice is like, you know, going all Shakespearean, kind of like turns his back on him, <laughs> gesturing as Seraph gets out his scythe. Um and he's like, pass the word that justice is coming. And Seraph gives the cheesy line, I'd rather pass on the word that justice is dead. What? Ugh. The dialogue here is a bit cheesy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's um, feels like, like a Western kind of face off you've got here. Yeah. The uh, like, I don't know, fistful of dollars that spaghetti Western music sort of playing over in my uh, mental soundtrack as I'm watching this face off, but yeah, they're not really topping themselves with the uh, Bon Mots here. So, yeah. So I'm not sure if this is like a, a classic misunderstanding fight of two guys who were kind of good guys, you know, or if it's just, you know, one's good, one's bad or, or something like that. It's, it feels a bit like a misunderstanding fight. It, seems a bit like that because it's uh, i mean they're both uh sort of quote unquote good in in different ways like justice kind of protects normal people from paranormals but whereas seraph i guess is protecting paranormals from normal people right um so... violently yeah, it's just that he's he doesn't look as cool or have like a cool uh, dream reality, or maybe he does, and we just didn't hear about it. Yeah, maybe. Right. Perhaps this guy was in like like a uh, fantasy Transylvania for like a year, and now he's woken up. <laughs> the Summerlands and the Fall World. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, like the guy takes a swing with his scythe and it actually cuts through justice's shield that he brings up at the last minute uh not hurting him uh justice blasts him with the sword uh, but he basically either blocks it or kind of absorbs that power um seraph's kind of taunting him he's like surprise justice suddenly finding yourself faced with power you didn't think possible it's like how did this guy even know he'd be able to block that like he could easily have been toast um He's like, that's how your victims felt. Now that's real justice. So he, he fires back at him from the scythe. So who knows what this thing can actually do. It's, it seems to kind of do whatever he wants it to. Uh, but that return fire, justice can, in fact, block with the shield. Um, you know, so we cut to, you know, Angela noticing, some police officers noticing as the fight kind of continues. Uh, justice, again, is kind of surprised. You know, he calls him a dark opposite of myself. You know, the whole protecting paranormals from people thing, like you mentioned. Uh, it's just like, and like opposites, we are drawn to each other. I do not want this battle. 
Too many people around, but he wanted it. And I see by his attack and demeanor that he's reveling in it. Right? All this, he's thinking in his head while jumping in the air to dodge a scythe swing. So, I mean, guy's got time to, oh, to, to think. Um, so he kind of jumps way up and then does that thing where he stands on his shields to kind of like hover over the ground. In which case, Angela finally actually sees him. Um but Seraph swipes at it again, kind of breaks the shield. Uh, Justice goes tumbling, uh, kind of catches himself, but lands hard and hurts his ankle. Uh, again, kind of like the police are running in, Angela's running in, everybody else is all kind of like cleared around, or maybe they're in the deep dark woods. I don't know. The background starts to get a little weird <laughs> as far as things go. Um, Suddenly the mists rose and we were in the deepest woods. Right uh so like justice is on the ground holding his ankle and uh seraph comes in for the big swing um you know he calls him justice killer which the crowd hears and it's like this guy's the justice killer it's like oh well you didn't recognize the purple trench coat that was on tv and all that um with white hair and People have been talking about this justice killer, but I didn't realize he fit the description. <laughs> Strange boots with no laces. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so justice manages to kind of dive out of the way of that scythe swing and kind of kick in the stomach. Uh, Seraph's like, ah, you were faking the ankle in injury to draw me in. Very clever. <laughs> um, but he calls the scythe to him so he can like you know force power make it come from afar and grab it and more cheesy lines you'll be the cleverest man in the morgue blah 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 you'll be overmatched <laughs> justice your own judgment day uh, and i find you uh, guilty find you okay, guilty come on, guy. <laughs> so, so again they, they they jab jaw at each other and and keep fighting uh keep kind of blasting at each other um eventually like you know again he can absorb justice's shot and kind of shoot it back at him with this super magic scythe um justice starts a little bit of self-doubt you know it's like he's is he lying? He calls me the villain. You know, he's lying. He has to be. I'm working to help others, to save them from paranormals who are misusing their powers. Seraph's distorting everything, twisting my holy mission to make it something ugly. I'm being tested. God is trying to shake my resolve to challenge my right to my power. Um, it's getting a little more biblical than usual, I think. But Yeah, he doesn't usually like address that directly. He just sort of assumes that God is on his side, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. But like mission from God's a little different than like, you know, I'm doing the right thing. But anyway, uh, so we get, we get again, Seraph is just like this whole time is just swinging away, you know, switch, swinging, dodging, blasting, quite a lot of action. Uh, we get sort of an interesting use of Justice's powers as the guy's kind of rearing up to take another swipe. He sends out little mini shields into the guy's mouth. He's <laughs> uh, like, he's still shouting, taunting me. So I shut him up. He's like, I don't like to do this. It's cheap and unworthy. Lodging my shields in his windpipe. He's like, but the Lord helps those who help themselves. Okay. Uh, all of the lines. It's like, he's gagging for air. What a pleasant sound. Like, okay. <laughs> 
So interesting battle. It's just page after page of swinging. And, you know, again, the police are still kind of running in, still have not yet made it there. Um, Seraph starts to slow down uh, as the police kind of close in. You know, Justice is getting whiny. He's like, no one understands. Don't they realize I'm saving them from a threat to their very lives? All I'm doing is watching out for them. <laughs> so, yeah, the crowd is is becoming unruly. So... We're starting to see that in some of these other um, characters are getting pushing things around at them. Yeah, yeah, right. That's a good mention. Like the crowd's getting a little wild. They're kind of fleeing the scene. Uh, Justice is there kind of like almost ready to finish off uh, Seraph. He's kind of standing over him, his foot on his hand, pinning down the scythe. And he's still holding shields in the guy's throat so he can't breathe. Uh, he's like, I would have let you go, Seraph. You brought this on your... Um, but then all of a sudden we get, uh, Angela screaming for help. So she's getting trampled by the crowd. Uh, definitely a very real threat in this day and age for that many people. Um, and, but just as she's close enough for him to hear, it's like, Angela, hold on. And he throws his shield to her in that kind of like protective bubble way that he did when he was trying to survive the pit blast. Um, but that means that, you know, his attention is taken away, right? So he can't strangle Seraph anymore. He can't shield two things at once. Uh, and also apparently can't protect himself from getting nailed in the head by a billy club. <laughs> uh, so the police finally show up. And oh man, did the police show up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so Seraph gets away. Uh, he doesn't decide to keep to keep taking it to justice. Uh um, Angela is safe in this bubble so he's holding that so that she doesn't get trampled um, and then like three or four cops just start pounding him with their nightclubs uh, just beating him down it's like it's the justice killer hurry club him lots um, yeah we see I mean we don't always see like Angela about to get trampled but definitely people are running there's a lot of chaos at this point everything's sort of um, a mess and Justice's uh, thought balloons are getting very sort of clipped and sort of much more broken up. So he's getting like distracted from five different directions at once. The cops are starting to jump him. All this stuff is going on. Um, yeah. So he's like, so all I do is kill people. Eh? I'll show them. I'll show them all. Angie, I'll, I'll kill them you. all. I'll save you, baby. Everything will be all right. Um so like he starts kind of fading out, you know, trying to concentrate. It look kind of looks like she's all right at this point, um, unless the police decide to like club her to death too. But the police are like, "How's this guy still up?" You know, uh, don't know what's keeping him going. But pile on him; he's not getting away. It's like, and by pile on him, they mean keep punching and kicking him. Um, uh, so yeah. Angie kind of runs up, but the police drag her away. She's like, Daddy, let me through, you creeps. Um, and, you know, Justice's last couple of narrations are like, I, I've failed your mother. I've failed so many people, but not you. He's getting sentimental. And uh, the sentimental part of this beating. Uh, the police officer says, get the cuffs on him. I'm going to make sergeant for this. Uh, so they stop beating up and finally cuff Justice. Uh, who's still conscious, thinking, Angela, did I save you? Maintain shields long enough? He's kind of like all bloody and black-eyed. He's like, yes, I hear you calling to me. I see you. 
you can see like an image of her that's kind of like blurred, like, you know, through his concussed vision. It's like, I'm always watching out for you, paranormals, children. Everyone needs someone watching out for. And then we get an F, which I'm not really sure. Um, question for me as well. <laughs> so then he kind of blacks out and, and that would be the end. So captured by the police and still not yet reunited with his daughter. Uh, who he apparently would give anything for, except didn't want to actually talk to her. Oh, boy. that guy, That's the part I relate to the most. <laughs> I'll do anything for you. Now go away. It's <laughs> <laughs> just trying to work on this podcast for five minutes. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, uh, the, the last scene is kind of... Uh, effective and and like he's all messed up and you see her and it's through sort of the blur and then a close-up of him and just and then goes fade to black cut to black i don't know Mm -hmm. um it you know it's like it somehow it doesn't work quite as well as i feel it should but you know it's like a a good like setup for a, a a a poignant moment i don't know yeah i think it's maybe just because we have like nothing real of their relationship right you know yeah we keep it's been a few issues now of like them kind of uh, not getting face to face and this sort of um yeah instead of it sort of getting more tense it's getting kind of aggravating so yeah at the, at this point, like when she first spots him at the concert, it's like, um, "Daddy, oh, not again, Angela! Shut up, Rich." I identify with Rich a hundred percent there, right? Ah, <laughs> oh, not That's again. Funny. Yeah, um, it's like, and like if he's gonna play the like distant protector role, like, but he's doing it from like thirty feet away. <laughs> you know, it's like he's always right there. <laughs> it's yeah, I I don't quite. I don't quite know how it is is failing to kind of build on itself. Um, maybe just yeah, like they're too close without confronting. So yeah, um, I don't know. So yeah, this this left me weirdly ambivalent. It is twenty eight pages long. There, this is the the extra pages are all extra story pages, and it feels like about a half a, an issue's worth of story. Yeah. Um, yeah not like, much really happens. All, you know, this interesting setting, you've got various characters all running around, but they all kind of just run into each other. In the, in the, um, yeah. And the background feels like non-existent at times too. Like you're in this concert, there could either be like a lot of people or like they could fight on the stage, you know, hit them with a the guitar. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, you go, you go, but there's stuff going on backstage. There's stuff at like the gate. They're trying to keep someone in or out or right. something. Drop a porta potty on him. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, things happen at these concerts. It's more than just a stampede of like random people we never saw before. They, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, uh, it's still, there's still some interesting setup. I mean, obviously, the next phase is going to be 
justice captured by the police though to be fair we've already seen that episode right several um, times um so yeah we've got the yeah nsc guy updike uh wanting to recruit him um justice can yeah bust himself out of police custody under most circumstances but it's not quite as like you know people are aware of paranormals now so they would be taking extra precautions with him right um, maybe even and from all the eyewitnesses they would know also like what his powers can do so yeah it's uh whether um so whether we go with that seraph is okay it makes sense to have sort of an opposite number of justice but <clears throat> he's kind of um morally ambivalent at this point and so we're not quite sure whether to uh take his criticisms to heart or not i don't know right he just um, kind of shows up and then disappears too so is he just a one-off or like an important character i'm not really sure dumbo you kind of start off feeling bad for but then he's kind of a jerk later so you kind of feel stupid for feeling bad for him i don't know right. it's like so yeah the people who are introduced you're kind of not that into and the people who are there you've kind of it's dragging out the angela thing a little longer than i expected um playback hasn't really got enough of a character arc yet but i i don't know maybe that'll go somewhere interesting with um the, the you know updike uh this other recruit who he's familiar with um right are we are we gonna get the you know i mean i guess it'd be almost like the same thing that happened with mark hazard way back when it's like you know you're either in trouble with the law or you come work for us kind of thing right maybe that is how the nsc nabs him and then works then he does work with playback which i'd kind of guessed at when i first saw her maybe they would team up yeah i mean she's a good her her skill is good for investigation and his is good for murderification it's like yeah law and order like she does the like first half hour and he does the second half hour (laughs) except it's just him blowing them up um the the so i don't know yeah the the well it should be it you know more fun in some ways it's um the the celebrity cameos or something are okay but yeah well i mean think about like massive concert you know huge turnout guy who can see the auras of paranormals like oh yeah he ran into like 15 20 30 paranormals at this thing and like oh i can see them all like but which ones are guilty and like (laughs) there could be some interesting stuff going on it'd be good it's a good situation to bring up someone new so the fact that Dumbo was the paranormal that we get out of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, <laughs> anything left to say on this issue? Um, the the police brutality at the end, I I was a little surprised by. Like, it seemed like <clears throat> this like a post Rodney King thing, but that was like ninety one or something. Yeah. So looking it up, I couldn't figure out if there was anything in the news in that time frame that was this sort of, you know, police beating a, you know, a guy excessively. Uh, couldn't think of anything. So 
don't yeah. know. To be fair, he's probably like ridiculously dangerous. So like if he wasn't distracted, then you know. The cops are all white for what it's worth. So it's hmm. uh the race element is uh not present in this uh all those um, black cops always menacing the white people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh yeah. You 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 used to have like a gang of white cops jumping a black guy, but now it's actually quite a diverse group of cops jumping a black guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Look how far we've gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, just in the talking through, uh, yeah, I was uh, you, we were talking about like what if Seraph had his own fantasy land? You remember the D and D setting Ravenloft? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you there go. You go. He's trans transported from Ravenloft, where uh, justice <laughs> is more forgotten realms or something. I don't know. Uh, overall, I don't know. B minus. What do you say? Yeah, I was thinking kind of B minus. It, it has one of my pet peeves in comics is like you can tell when they don't bother to draw a background, and then the colorist is just left to color panels, blocks of color. So like even like this last page, it's like pink black pink yellow purple you know it's like if you scroll through the comic not looking at the arts blue purple yellow pink you know it's just color you know it's not the colorist's fault it's just they didn't draw anything like you know immerse me in this in the story here so the art's a little weak story honestly just feels like a superhero comic to a degree here like we feel like we're losing that world outside your window new universe edge you know even even if it's post pit right like this is supposed to be a little more realistic not guys prancing around in the superman boot with no laces kind of silly tights outfits all the time so that's getting to be a bit of a bummer to me i think a little bit yeah let's uh let's hope we can uh we get a little more on track in the future um Let's take a look at the backup uh, material, such as it is. As we say, the um, story is a good 28 pages. Mm-hmm. See, you know, it's the same guy. Do it, you know, oh, you've got 22 pages. You got 22. Do 28 this week. What? Uh, okay. No backgrounds. <laughs> it's done, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um. Let's see, we've got an ad for Daredevil, the uh, Anacenti Typhoid Mary run. Yeah, I just read that. It was good. John Romita Jr., I guess that's what he did post-Starbrand, started drawing the Daredevil. Yeah, okay. The uh, Starbrand threatens to uh, blow up our city if we don't subscribe to the new universe again. Again, too soon. Yeah. I was doing my notes and my family saw this page and she's like, subscribe now or we'll blow up your city. <laughs> it's like, and he, he then equated it to like Disney plus. It's like, you know, sign up now or we'll, you know, <laughs> nuke your house. Um, um, but I showed him the ad underneath it, uh, which was new. The, which one is going to attempt to assassinate the president. So we've been getting like these ads uh, or like little clip things like who's going to be responsible for killing a million people was the last one or like who's going to uh, what was it like join the army or sign up for the government kind of thing 
Uh, now we got who's going to attempt to assassinate the president, the draft on sale in March in Marvel. And so there's night mask looking kind of creepy. Uh, gridlock guy with a beard, uh, metallurgist, normal looking guy with a little bit longish hair, and then blowout, another guy with glasses who looks like a mathematician. <laughs> and uh, so, so I had my I had my family guess, and they both chose Gridlock. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And I have no idea what the right answer is, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going blowout. Um, I don't know if you had a choice, or maybe you already know. I remember enough to, to not want to guess. I do like how creepy Nightmask looks here, though. I'm not quite sure what the, they were trying to... I lost my book. My sister <laughs> won't talk to me. I guess I'll assassinate the president now. My, uh, yeah, my family, or my son assumed that he looked like a stereotypical villain, uh, which is funny. Uh, and then that would be too obvious. So it probably wasn't him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the only one in a kind of a costume with that, um, the mask on. So yeah. interesting. Yeah. Right. So two votes, gridlock, one vote, blowout, and then you are abstaining due to prior knowledge. <laughs> yeah. What do we got? Like you say, gridlock has that sort of, uh, lone guy in the woods kind of a unibomber feel to him in yeah. this picture <laughs> metallurgist has a sort of younger guy he's got like walkman earphones on oh right yeah i didn't catch that so he seems relatable and blowout is yeah more of like the um ominous nerd you know um oh we never expected this from him he was always such a quiet neighbor Right. Bodies are being taken like out by the truckload from his basement. Yeah. Um, good. So that's the draft. Uh, yeah. And it's coming in March, which uh, where are we at? This came out in March. Yeah. So it should be yeah out at the end of the month. Mm. Um, we had a little trouble like nailing down the date release date of the, the draft. So we're going with the same date as Starbrand number 14. Or to be a classic, <laughs> which we've got the cover of and on the next page. But um, then we got the cover for next month's justice, justice. I guess in front of the, um, the Congress and the White House building, and he's sort of being tried by a ghost-like justice figure, right? Like the, the justice the, holding the woman. blind woman holding the scales and the sword, yeah, right. So. A little uh, ambiguous what that means. Okay. It's kind of a nice image, but. Uh, yeah, it's a little, I just want to say static or something. Like it's a little too head on, you know what I mean? Mm. Like they've had some really compelling images that uh, Weeks has done with uh, the last couple where it's kind of more of a close up or like face in shadows, things like that. And then we're back to Universe News, where we got um, we had the um, official timeline uh, last episode. We've got a uh, notice for um, young men to uh, register for the draft by midnight, Friday, April 15th, 1988. Um, all men ages. Yeah, it was, it was an all male draft. OK, 18 to 45. Real sausage fest, this draft. <laughs> Yeah, it's a um, uh, 
increased militarization level uh, zero. Well, let's just get uh, start a draft. I mean, you know, uh, no one's going to argue with that, right? They have they have done a nice job in the stories building to it. I think like not just the advertisements, but little little bits of what's going on, you know, in in the various books. So, um, did you want to talk about David Wall? Uh, yeah. So David Wall, uh, starting this month, dashing David Wall joins the new universe editor Howard Mackey as a new assistant. Right. So we had seen Joanne Spaldo they sent off last time. So I guess this is the replacement. Um, yeah. Again, they have a profile Speaking on him. A sausage fest, whatever. <laughs> where he just seems like a like a frat guy, jock kind of type, but. Like these it, profiles are always all joke answers, which is fine, but like I don't know this guy. So um, it might be slightly interesting to learn actually something about him. Yeah, I mean, I kind of a lot of these things I'm kind of interested in uh like their last books or movies. That kind of sometimes gives you like a little window into the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um influences on my work include Mark Gruenwald, okay. Ingmar Bergman, uh, director, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Gregory Wright. I don't, that doesn't ring a bell, honestly. And Howard Stern. So you you know you're like okay, likes these rather random, you know, creative types. Interesting. A lot of complaints about being in an office with no window. <laughs> they talk a lot about the windows. Like Mackie didn't have a window in his office, and he. Complains in several universe newses about it. <laughs> okay. The fans aren't getting you a window, man. <laughs> we can't do anything. But uh, yeah, we do have a shout out to our uh, a uh, interviewee, uh, Mike Rockwitz, who I guess, as you said, in rather frat boyish description, would have wrestling contests in the halls of Marvel. <laughs> So, yeah, okay. I especially like to jump off the top of a desk and land with an atomic elbow on Mike's neck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, looking him up, Mar- David has gone on to um a lot of uh more editorial work and uh, eventually worked at Top Cow and um uh, uh you know did pretty well honestly in the industry. Um, he sounds a bit like Rockwitz in that he maybe started as a high school intern there at Marvel mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just grew and he did have enough creative uh, instinct himself to do some writing as well. So, so I was amused by the notice that um, those bells you heard resounding throughout the new universe in recent months were not tolling the recent demise of the fair city of Pittsburgh. They were wedding bells announcing the, World, the nifty nuptials. Oh, I should have read all this in verbatim. <laughs> two nif- nifty nuptials of two of the new used top creative talents. We're talking none other than DP7 penciler and co creator Paul Ryan and Justice penciler Lee Weeks. Now, wait a minute before you go jump into conclusions. Lee and Paul didn't marry one another. Rumor has it they are no more than friends. Lee married the. Del- Lee is a, you know, ambiguous names so true I yeah know what the um i was making no assumptions there at all um lee married uh trish tish drew 
in uh, August 87. Paul re more recently tied the knot with Linda Smith in December 87. Best wishes to both of them. Paul Ryan was, um, you know, not like a young, young guy when he started uh, DP7, I want to say. So um, I think he, he uh, you know, had a, had a you know, family, but uh, leader. So, you know, that's that's uh, good for him and all that. Sound good. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on was the some sales data which we'd picked up in um, a couple of spots. Um, one of the, which is the Comicron um, sales charts by, sorry, what's his name? John Jackson Miller. And they have uh, a lot of <clears throat> charts going back a long time, but the uh, one of the uh, ones from the late eighties was, this is things that came out in February 88, um, according to a uh, capital city distributor, maybe um, there's still multiple distributors at the time. And you can see um, this, this starts off with uncanny X-Men issue 230. Uh, number one from February 88. And then where's the first uh, new universe title? Down, 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 down. Oh, come on. It's not that bad. 53, right? 53, DP7. Right, there's no Starbrand star on this list, right? This was a, a skip month for Starbrand. Yeah. Right. I will take us over to the uh, sales charts with the figure, like uh, some, some maybe issues sold. So this is interesting. It is low for Marvel. We hit like Hulk at thirty. Uh, yeah, it's below Power Pack. Yeah, Power Pack at uh, New Teen Titans. What the hell? Strange Tales, which is wow. What is that even? Is that a reprint? Like uh, maybe Cloak and Dagger had like a split title with Doctor Strange. I forget if that was it. Um, Martial Law was epic. Strike Force Moratory. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there's, I mean, the thing is, like around DC, though, Detective Comics is at 40. Yeah. Uh, Legion of Superheroes at 48. Um, so, Transformers is lower than DP7 at 63. I would have almost kind of thought that would have been higher, but maybe that's just because I read it as a kid. Yeah, I would have thought Transformers and, and G.I. Joe were similar, like in terms of sales, but I guess not. And there's that Cinder and Ash that I uh, was telling you about last month, which is, I mean, it's just like an ex-mercenary and like a Vietnam uh, child that like they're now detectives in New Orleans. Okay. You know, there's no superpowers or nothing. Uh, that's down at 64, so... So yeah, we hit uh, DP7 at 53, and are the next ones Justice and Cyforce at 66 and 67? Yeah. And then... Uh, yeah, so outselling Spectre and Question and Conan the Barbarian. and They get some Alf. They've outsold Alf. Oh, uh, what am I missing then? 
Well, that's it. We got DP. Oh, seven, you're right. Starbrand is justice yeah. Starbrand was skipped. Yeah. So yeah, we've got. I mean, Hellblazer just started at number six. It's at issue number six. That's a couple issues later. Swamp Thing, which Alan Moore is off, but I mean, these are still like good, good issues. All that's right below it. And then, but then, yeah, the other <clears throat> Marvel items are usually Epic or something similar or Star, right. I guess. Alpha's down there. You're right. Um, so skipping over to some sales figures that Mark Davis had print, put up over on the Facebook fan page. We look at issues 20 we've got DP seven coming in at 91,700 justice, right? Yeah. Justice and Cyforce at 78,000 and 75,000 respectively. And according to these guys, um, star brand, the next issue, no, the last issue Hit about one hundred and forty-five thousand. Wow! Yeah, which was actually an uptick from the previous. Interestingly, yeah, you would. Yeah, I don't know why. Why thirteen would outsell twelve, which had the the pit disaster. I don't know. That's weird. Um, the pit itself sold one hundred ninety-six thousand, so it's like doubling the the typical month's uh, book. Hmm. I don't see a lot of copies of the pit floating around usually, so I wonder. It's true. I saw the draft in that um, the the racks I was going through this week, which I was amused by. But yeah, the the pit, the draft, and the war, they are much less uh, frequent. Um, Yeah, it's interesting because those, like, for today, those would be fantastic numbers, right? So... If a comic, I mean, like a top comic in 2023 might sell like a hundred thousand and everybody would be cheering. I can imagine that would be a good sale. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the days of things going over a hundred thousand seems like it was like unusual. It'd be like very hot creator or very event driven, but so much of that is kind of worn out over the last few years. So yeah, the, I mean, it always sort of sounds like, you know, oh, back in the day, you'd have, you know, hundred, you know, half a million books sold and they'd be like, ah, get rid of that. It's not doing well enough. Um, but yeah, according to these, like, it's definitely, you know, it's not great sales for a Marvel book, but it is decent sales for yeah. just, you know, on its own. You, if you were like, look, Looking at it, yeah, independently. Oh, the New Universe publisher. You'd be like, okay, these guys are doing pretty well for an independent publisher. Right. And how are these sales compared to their initial ones? Um, A lot of those were like 200,000, 250,000, those kind of numbers for the number ones of a lot of these series, according to this information. Um, It's a healthy number. That's very healthy. When we we have uh, one of the few things they have in Marvel Age about sales figures is they'll have like a top ten list, but that's just Marvel titles. And you'll remember the month they came out, Starbrand and uh, Spitfire were both sort of mid range on that, like five yeah. or six. And so 
X-Men alone would be, you'd say, 300,000, 400,000? I don't know. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, things dropped off a lot. It's, uh, it's frustrating from our point of view of, like, you know, it's not like there there were net you know uh, no readers but you know that number of readers was not sufficient long term i guess and right. when you're looking at like when they can whip out a new oh here's excalibur it's got x people in it and like hit the number 1 again you know you're like okay <laughs> Yeah, and I think we had mentioned it in one of our recaps too, but like you know, they they kind of lost out on the idea of okay, so these books were not so successful, cancel them and you know, maybe start two new ones, right? You know, they could have either started fresh with a new character concept uh, within the new universe and kind of the new rules and uh or could have spun something off and you know it may have been a, a good way to kind of keep things going like try and redraw interest uh, but we didn't they went yeah for, we went for more for the event model i think like let, let's shake things up big time model yeah if um it's good we should work on for our homework uh which which character would have spun off of the books we've seen so far far Hmm. Big Bridget? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Maybe not Big Bridget. We'll think about that one. There's so um, much untapped potential there. Does? I keep hoping she'll come back to... Oh, wait, no. Spitfire's got her book canceled. Well, so she's know. in the backups, and maybe they send her back to prison. <laughs> Bridget be awaiting. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The end of the last backup. Jenny's Spitfire Swenson was being hauled off to prison, and we all know what happens to her in prison. Maybe we could do like maybe that's the new homework, right? So the the spin-off new you title is the the ladies in prison, right? So Big Bridget's <laughs> been there the whole time, right? Jenny Swenson's been arrested. Uh Stasi and Kathy from Cyforce are are captured, right? They could be thrown in jail. Aged Heat, the new exactly. universe title, yes. <laughs> Okay. Caged paranormal heat. Well, maybe that's it for this week's episode. <laughs> Starting to lose it. Oh, next time the new new universe checks in on our displaced paranormals, DP7 number 20. <laughs> Men in prison. No. Uh Dave and Jeff thought they had it bad being stranded at the bottom of the pit, but no sooner does DP7 rescue them. Uh, we, but they're DP7. Uh, no sooner does DP7 rescue them uh, than they all have to face Pitbull, the musician. No, the paranormal with the sunny disposition of the Hulk. Wait, wrong universe. Uh, Wild Dogs, written by Mark Grunewald, penciled by Paul Ryan, inked by Danny Bulinati. 32 pages, $1.25. So, new character. All right. And uh, Pitbull. Okay. <laughs> we uh we are still at our website kickersinc.com and you can email us with your questions or comments at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. Send this us has... your paranormal heat fan fiction. <laughs> 
or don't. <laughs> so keep it clean. Right. Uh, you know, we're flexible though. This has been the voice of the new universe, and we will see you back at the spinner rack. It's your universe, idiot. It was only supposed to make a buzzing noise. <laughs>